almost every one of the major colleges. We think of uh, Harvard, Yale, you know, Princeton, were built as places for young men to come and meet God and be prepared for ministry. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. Once again, we're so thrilled. I'm Bill Elliff, Kyle Reno, my my dear buddy and pastor yeah. is uh, is here, and we're so excited to come to you. I don't know if you're in a car or on a plane or uh, on a train or uh, right. swimming in the ocean, evading sharks. I don't know what's <laughs> going on, but right. we're just glad that you're listening, and uh, because the theme is so critical of revival and spiritual awakening in our nation. And the need is mm-hmm. so great that every little thing that we can do to be prompted to cry out to God for mm-hmm. revival is, is really critical. And Kyle, we, we've, uh, we got an interesting thing to talk about today as we're yeah. talking in these six or seven weeks about about God's movement on campuses and among college students, right. how God has used them along the way. But we're going to talk about spots, about places. Yeah. And exactly uh, right. I know I've got, everybody's got a spot. If yeah. you were to close your mind and say, man, I'd love mm-hmm. to be sitting in this spot right now, mm-hmm. you know, where would it be? Right. You got a, have you got a good spot? No, man, I got a bunch of them. It, ma- it yeah. matters like what time of year it is too, you know, like, cause yeah. I'm, I'm a outdoorsman in, in heart. So, I mean, there's a tree stand, you know, there's a, there's yeah. a place to be fishing at some point. You know, there's places that are just good for you, your soul, my, you know, there, there's yeah. spring porches. and My, my, my uh, son-in-law is a big deer hunter and he and his brother built a deer stand that is like the Taj Mahal. I mean, it's carpeted, <laughs> it's, it's heaters, it's got a little, yeah. you know, everything in there. And yeah. uh, and he said, you know, you laugh about that, but for a deer hunter, yeah. he said, some of the greatest spiritual moments of yeah. my life have happened yeah. on in a deer stand. Yeah, and right. uh, there's some spots. I mean, I've got a spot where I go to meet with the Lord early yeah. in the morning. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I sit down in that particular chair and mm-hmm. I can access the Lord quicker. I, yeah. I don't know how to describe that, yeah. but maybe just the routine of it or something. But, uh, yeah. talk to us about this because I know God's laid something on your heart about this and how yeah. it relates to the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically. So to frame it up, just let's think as I'm talking here about the future of our faith. Let's think about college-age students, even younger than that, um, middle, high school. Um, and, and here's the words, preparing places, preparing places for future generations. And, and what I feel like God has done with me recently is showed me how important that was to my spiritual journey how, and, and how it's always been true for future generations and their journey with God. And so here's a couple little things. And then, I, Bill, I want us to talk about this because you've sure led this way and you've seen this be true. I think that every generation of the faith has a decision to make. 
And specifically, I'm talking to the church right now, to the leaders in the church uh, and, and to those that are part of the church. <clears throat> what will they do with what's been entrusted to them? What will they do? And I want to talk for just a physical, on a physical, tangible facilities level for a minute. You're like, what is he talking about on a podcast for revival and spiritual awakening? Well, just hold on. What what will we do with what's been entrusted to us? Because here's a principle that is true. Every generation has a decision to make. Will they renew what's been handed to them? Or will they allow those things to move toward ruins? There's no there's no in between. Will you renew those things that have been entrusted to you? I mean, like somebody, once some generation came before you and entrusted something to you tangibly. Now, that those things need to be spiritual. Those things need to be the gospel, the truth of Scripture, like all, all that. But also for us, specifically in our context, like here I am, pastor in a church that's 49 years old. That's going to be 50 years old. And, and gener- a generation and decades have went before, and each generation and each decade made decisions about how they would position this church for future generations, and even the places and the spaces and what it would say to that generation. And so I, I got this, and I'm going to give you a couple passages of Scripture, and I want us to talk. Jesus' Revolution, I've watched it three times now, and I ain't made it through 10 minutes without just crying my eyes out every time. It just, it just spe- it's special to me. But there's a few moments that stick out. And I actually said these words to our church recently here. And I'll never forget when Kelsey Grammer, uh, portraying Chuck Smith, when he sort of crossed the line finally as the leader of, of Calvary Chapel. And he looked at that group of hippies and he said to them about that physical building, He said, I want y'all to know that this place is for you, that those doors are open, and that that we that basically he's wanting to say, I want you to find home here. Home here. Now we know that our faith is much bigger than any building, right? That we we know our God is bigger than any building. That being said, you study the scripture and God uses places. (laughs) God, God uses houses. God uses these temporary structures for people to together encounter God. And, and I, I'm telling you, that moment there, and then you see the progression. They changed some things in that facility. You see the dove, you know, that they have a little graphic they put back there. And they move from that little spot to a tent, you know, and then ultimately what Calvary Chapel became and then reproduced itself over and over again. And then God personalized it to me and showed me that this is a big part of what I think God wants me to do. And and a personal calling he gave me a long time ago, Isaiah 58, 12 says, And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You'll be called a repairer of the breach, a restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, I think that that's holistic. Obviously, I know it's got Zion implications to it that one day, ultimately, the restoration of all things. But here's what I know about our God. Our God's a restorer for the sake of those that will come after us. He prepares things. Even Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And I I would just ask us as leaders in the local church, are we preparing our places, our church facilities, and even buildings, are we preparing these places for others? Are Are we preparing for those that will follow us? 
And then I had me a, a moment, uh, Bill, with the Lord that, man, rocked my world. I was reading in my one-year Bible reading, as I often do. I do it every year. And uh, and I had these, these texts of Scripture in Acts 3 and then Acts 5 that just lodged in my spirit and wouldn't go away. I got it on me, and I couldn't get it off. And uh, and it was this moment where you remember, I'll give you some context, and I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to read it to you in the New King James. How about that? And, and but I was reading in the New Living in my one year Bible reading, and it 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 was that moment where Peter and John the the man gets healed in Acts three. Pentecost has happened too. The power of the Spirit. Now they're going out and preaching Jesus. Lives are being radically changed. Miraculous power. The power of Jesus has been displayed in people's lives. And in Acts three, it gets this moment where he's he's standing and they're they're sharing and ministering at Solomon's portico, Solomon's colonnade, right? And I was like, oh man, I I, I know where that place is. Studying the history, and you know, I, it, it just stuck like, and this thought stuck in my spirit. Hey, you know what? David prepared because he he wouldn't build, but because he was a warrior, but he gave and called the people to give so Solomon could build the temple, and also what we know in this text as the portico, the colonnade. I say, and in it interesting to think, and I went and studied the history that a thousand years later, here's Peter and John standing on, on, at that portico. And they're and they're preaching a resurrected Jesus. Well, I had that moment. Then I keep reading, and I get then like two days later, I'm in Acts five again, and they're in that same place, colonnade, the portico, mi- ministering to people. And and then I went got here to the church and started praying that morning, and I couldn't get it off of my heart. I just couldn't get it off my heart, and and I felt the Lord's impression. Hey, go study that. Go study that. Acts 3.11 says this, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed, right? Greatly amazed. Let me give you the Acts 5, and I'm going to give you a thought. For Acts 5.12 it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch. So there's Acts 3, Acts 5 moment. And what we know was the porch was a part of the progression into the temple, into God's presence, right? And that, that here they go walking in. Well, here's the thing. The people in Acts 3 and Acts 5, man, you will get me squalling. This man that was that was sick and diseased, he couldn't go into the presence of God. He couldn't go into the presence of God. This is as close as he could get, right? And in that very place, because he was defiled, in that very place on the porch, God started walking, listen, walking these broken, far from God people into the good news of Jesus. And then right out of this, out of Acts 3, Peter and John throw their arms around this this guy and walk him into the temple. Walk him into the temple. None of that happens, though, if a thousand years before, Somebody hadn't made an, a, a listen a great contribution to prepare a place for people to meet with God, to prepare a literal physical space. So I say all that to say, listen, I sure I, uh, the beauty of doing this podcast and Bill and I are not here asking you for anything. I'm not no building campaign this morning. All right, uh, no, on this podcast, not asking you to give toward this thing. That being said. Uh, you sh- from Moses' leadership 
in the constructing of the tabernacle to David's in preparing what Solomon would build. So you get on the other side of that when things have lost its way in this original tent to Nehemiah's and Ezra's and Hezekiah's. There's always, there's this tangible, this tangible. There's this always this need for those of us to make a decision. Will we prepare things? Will we even prepare places for future generations to worship Jesus? So for us here, that's been, we're, we're putting a front porch on God's house. Right? We've made some tangible decisions to say, even in, in the way that it is seen to the next generation, this house is ultimately for God's glory, but it's for you to meet with him here. It's for you. It's for you. And I think in revival and awakening that there's something that is said. And you think about all the, I've heard you talk about this, but all the ingenuity and innovation that happens in times of revival and, and awakening that prepares even the church for a fresh season, a fresh wineskin. And I would just encourage every leader out there, hey, what, what statement does our places say to next generation? Does it say that you're, we want you here, that we want you to be a part of the worship of Jesus mm-hmm. here because they're look because because they are looking and they are and 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 there's something right about getting the wine skin right for the wine. So beautiful, you know. I, I so many thoughts run through my mind, Kyle. Uh, I'm thinking about the colleges that were built yeah. in the beginning of our nation. Almost every one of the major colleges, we think of uh, Harvard, Yale, you know, Princeton, were built as places mm-hmm. for young men to come and meet God and be prepared for mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. And then they would, and they would, and then they would fall away. But in mm-hmm. for for hundreds of years, one of the things that would happen would be God would redeem that place. Right. And it would become once again a center of a hotbed of revival and spiritual right. awakening. But it was a physical place. I mean, it was a place, right. but it had been prepared initially yeah. for the presence of God right. and for the training of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And somebody, you know, paid for that. Yeah, <laughs> somebody exactly. gave their hard earned money to make yeah. that happen because they said, hey, this is a priority. Mm-hmm. We need a place to train these guys. Sometimes it was a log cabin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, training center out in the wilderness or wherever it was, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a place. And I, you know, I think all of us can resonate with that. We have places. I, I was just thinking as you were talking about uh, a, a camp up in Northwest Arkansas right. that I've been to probably uh, 16 times in my early mm-hmm. life. God called mm-hmm. me to preach there. Uh, I never went there, but I didn't meet God. But somebody maintained that they just celebrated their hundredth anniversary, right? And and it's and we honestly we see more people in our state of Arkansas, in our mm-hmm. particular denomination, we see more students come to Christ in those mm-hmm. weeks in that place than any other endeavor that we do, right? Uh, because it's a dedicated place. Yeah. You know, to reach the next generation. Well, I think about every, I mean, just personally, I come to know Christ in a gathering that's filled with God's presence. And then I get discipled by this wild man, you know, who ends up giving me a key 
<laughs> which is totally terrible idea. I never encourage this. He gives me a key to a building called the Lighthouse at Gardnell First Baptist. That was a spot that they had redeemed and that they had made it into a little coffee shop like area that for college and young professionals that I would walk around and pray hours and then would end up leading a college ministry there that we would see God change the lives of hundreds. And it was just holy ground. You know, it was just, it was holy ground. And so I know that there's moment, and I, I, mean, I mean this, like to just, it's one thing to do it because you want it. It's another thing to do it because we want the future generations there. You know, is right. to look at every opportunity to redeem and restore and to communicate to every generation, the future generation, is that this house is for you to meet with him here. Come be a yeah. part of that. Come to say to future children that, hey, we're not doing this because we just want a new kids building or whatever it is, but we want to have, we want to reach future kids. You know, well, and, and, and it, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Conversely to Chuck Smith, as we've yeah. mentioned many times during the Jesus movement, there were many people that said yeah. by their actions and their words, when yeah. the when the, the students are standing at the gate wanting to come in to their churches yeah. and wanting to bring their worship and wanting to bring yeah. this authentic movement of God, who said, mm -hmm. not in this house. That's right. That's not right. in this house. And, yeah, and scared, guess what? Scared. Yeah, scared them. Well, it 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 it, it uh, they were fearful that they would lose their little kind of comfortable Christianity. That's what mm -hmm. it was. I like my right. organ music, and I like my, yeah. you know, right. come in, sit down. And there's nothing wrong with that. That that that's sure. the way they expressed to the Lord. That was a sacred yeah. spot to them. But right. to to somehow lose sight of this is not just about me. This is about mm -hmm. the next generation. Mm -hmm. And and we've got to help them find places where they encounter God that become holy places right. Right. Uh, for them. You know, yeah. beautiful. There's, there's well, let's let's take a minute here in just a minute, and and we're going to pray that in. But but before we do, I'm going to ask our listeners to to answer two questions. Number one, where is the spot? where you really encounter God more than any other place. Mm -hmm. Do you have those places? Have you, have you built those places? Are you, are you holding them as holy? I think of a, mm -hmm. the altars in the old Testament and they'd get in disarray and then they'd come back and the next generation would rebuild an altar mm -hmm. and it became a holy a place. And secondly, to think of before we pray here uh, in just a little bit, what, what, where are places that you need to be building for the next generation? Right. Where are places and environments that we need to be helping create and that we can contribute to, to help the next generation find the mm -hmm. Lord? Mm -hmm. So for just a minute, let's, let's just pray this in. And Kyle, why don't you, uh, why don't you, just pray it for us. Would you do that? Okay. Just pray this in for us. So, Father, we ask, uh, even now, would you show each of us, Lord, how to prepare our own hearts and to prepare places, Lord, that we meet with you personally and as a people, not just for our sake, but for the sake of future generations, God, that it would help people, the next generation, worship uh, holistically, that it would encourage 
encouraging to have those sacred spots, God, to have those personal altars, family altars, but that we also, Lord, prepare places that where we can meet with God together and that we can walk into your presence and experience you, God, for chapels and kids' buildings and services, God, and all those things, God, that we would do whatever it takes to help people walk into a progression into your presence, Lord God. And we wouldn't be afraid of that, God. We'd have faith for that, God, that there would be places here on earth that there, it's just thin between heaven and here, and that people would sense that, Lord, know that, God. And it wouldn't be about the structures, God. It'd be about what you do there, who we meet with there. So, God, I pray you do that and that you would raise up a generation. You would you would change a generation in places just like that, God. So give us a biblical, spirit-filled understanding around these things, I pray, and let it glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to leave you with one scripture, and that's this. John the Baptist is preaching. He quotes Isaiah. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the mm. way of the Lord. Mm. Make his path straight. Every ravine needs to be filled up. Every mountain and hill be brought low. The crooked become straight. The rough roads made smooth. And then all flesh will see the salvation of our God. Let's make a highway where Christ is pleased to dwell. Amen. Thanks Amen. for being on the podcast with us today. Shay, share this with somebody. Uh, you could do that almost every week. <laughs> and we'd love for you to just, if one of these podcasts touches you, just, just stop the next moment you can and, and uh, just send it to somebody real quickly. And uh, don't miss the next few weeks as we talk about God's movement on college campuses and in the next generation. We'll see you next time.